0: Welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris, and whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, or listening on Podbean, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, Watch and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, leave a like on the episode, and leave a comment down below. Spotify, if you're listening on there, share around with others and follow on there as well. Podbean, same thing. Follow around, share, follow on there and share around with others. We have Facebook, and we have Twitter. Twitter, it's at pigskin underscore frenzy, all lowercase. All you got to do is type that bad boy in on the search engine. You'll find it. Just follow and like the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as news, highlights, and notifications from across college and NFL football. Facebook, same thing. All you got to do is type in "Pinkskin frenzy there. You'll find it following like the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as news highlights and notifications from across college and NFL football. Big day today for college football. We're gonna be talking about some recruiting news, talking about some transfer news. Um, just you know, just a couple of things. Not gonna to go too deep into it. But then we're also gonna to discuss to, to tie the episode in together, uh, continuing our se- a little mini series, I guess, of conference projection standings. Um, last week we did the Big Ten. Um, I said the Big. I said Michigan was gonna win the Big Ten East, and I said that Wisconsin was gonna win the Big Ten West. They were gonna collide in the Big Ten Championship game, and then I said Michigan was going to. To win an ev- and win, you know, threepeat as Big Ten champions and advance to the college football playoff. So that's just my take on it. That was a re- just a small recap of last week's college football episode. Go back and watch it. It's on YouTube. It's on Spotify. It's on Podbean. Go back, watch it, listen to it. Episode 22 of Pigskin Frenzy. Um, just share. You know, continue just to plug in and just follow around and share around with others. So you know. Just We're going to tie everything in together. Again, don't leave yet. YouTube, subscribe to the channel on there. Leave a comment on each episode. and Leave a like on each episode. Podbean, Spotify, share around with others and follow on those platforms as well. And follow on Twitter and Facebook. So let's just kick it off with some recruiting news. So, you know, usually when you get recruits and it's, you know, you got to start early, Right. I mean that's just a big thing. You got to start early. It's one of those things where you know it's never too early to to cash in and grab and hook a good football player, regardless of what position. So I mean I've seen just for example I've seen people get you know recruit start recruiting eighth graders. You know, people who were in 8th grade, who were who were finishing up 8th grade and about to start high school as freshmen. So, it's crazy, you know. College football is one of those things where it's never too early to start, you know, fishing for talent, right? So you know, this is coming from the 2024 class and we have a, you know, a commitment here. So the number one overall player in the 2024 class and the five-star quarterback, Dylan Raiola. Uh, we were wondering where he was going to go and projections. He was committed to Ohio State originally but he decommitted in December. So now we have a new commitment from him, and it looks like it's a for-sure thing. So Dylan Raiolia, um quarterback, five-star quarterback, for the number one overall player in the recruiting class of 2024, has committed to the Georgia Bulldogs. So not a big surprise there. We were wondering if it was going to be, okay, going to go back to Ohio State. We were you're thinking uh, Miami was in play, USC was in play, along with Clemson, but... Georgia was also in play there. And we were thinking, okay, Georgia looks like they're gonna land on the 24-7 sports crystal ball predictions. It was heavily pointing towards Georgia and they landed him. So uh he's a good overall talent. He's a crisp decision maker. His accuracy is good. He um, you know, he lights up the field and he's an electric football player. So good pickup for Georgia here. But what does this mean for Georgia? Well, I mean, it looks like Georgia's just doing Georgia things. So Georgia is literally, you know, amongst the elite now in college football. And we're just going to have to get used to it in terms of recruiting, in terms of facilities, in terms of on-the-field play, you name it. They are coaching, uh, position groups, defense, you name it. They are amongst the elite in college football. Not just the SEC, but in all of overall college football. So you're just going to have to get used to it right? Um, back to back national defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs looking for a three peak this season. And with all the projections going on now, it's looking like Georgia could do it. So who knows? Right. I think, you know, you know, it's one of those things where Georgia, again, still amongst the elite. They are, you know, looks like they're, you know, trying to have a good bounce back, you know, after losing a lot to the draft. However, which one thing that Georgia has is depth. Depth is something that always you know, was occurring in Alabama when Kirby Smart was the defensive coordinator there. Bama still has depth, but what I'm saying is Georgia has taken a lot of what Alabama has done in in, the, in in their do, in their like dominant years, and it, don't get me wrong, Alabama still has dominant moments. But I'm saying in their earlier years of you know when Kirby Smart was their defensive coordinator, he has learned everything that Nick Saban has done and has and has taken and twisted his own little approach to it, and has implemented it all in Athens. So they are literally Bama 2.0 in. Athens, Georgia, right now. They are Bama East, as we call them. So, yeah, Georgia doing Georgia big things, that's what it means. It doesn't mean really a whole lot. It just means that Georgia's still in the running. Georgia's still one of the amongst the elite in college football. And we're just gonna have to get used to, you know, Georgia picking up players like a Dylan Roelia and a play, you know, any, you know, top talent in each recruiting class. So as long as Kirby Smart's there and he's still coaching. Just get used to Georgia, you know Georgia being in it in college football every year. So, moving on, let's do some transfers. So that was all the big recruiting, you know, recruiting talk there. So let's just move on to some transfers here. So, uh, one transfer that caught my eye was this, and it was former Notre Dame running back Logan Diggs. He in the transfer portal looking for a fresh start, and he apparently has found one. So he was recruited by Brian Kelly. So it's looking like he is heading back there. So, former Notre Dame running back Logan Diggs is transferred to LSU. So, good pickup for LSU there. They needed some depth in the running backs. Yeah, I, I think I, I touched on that a little bit while I was giving my spring football results on LSU a few weeks back. Uh, they need some depth in the running back position. While John Emery is now suspended again academically, they need some help. Uh depth-wise in the, in the in the backfield. So, I mean, you got Noah Kane, the transfer from Penn State, Baton Rouge native. Logan Kane, uh, Noah Kane is, I mean, is probably their safe bet as a starter. Then you got uh, Amari Goodwin. Uh, Amari Goodwin is, you know, one of the fastest players and most underrated players in probably in the SEC in the backfield. So, I mean, you got him, you got Noah Kane, and now you also got not just you got power back in Noah Kane. You got a more of a speedy type back in Armani Goodwin. Then you got the best of both worlds with Logan Diggs. So, Logan Diggs comes in and he's going to bring, you know, some elusiveness and he's also going to bring some balance. He's also going to bring some speed and he's going to bring some power, you know. He's got some power to him, which is good. You know, he's a fast running, he's a fast runner, but he brings some power, too. You know, he's an underrated power runner. And I think that, you know, he's going to add some much-needed depth to the backfield at LSU. Baton Rouge, you know, was calling him home, and he's a native. So it all fits. Brian Kelly's there, the, the coach that recruited him to Notre Dame. He's there Logan Diggs going to back home to Baton Rouge. It's home for him again. Brian Kelly recruited him. It all makes sense. So that's a big transfer pickup for LSU there. Logan Diggs heading to Baton Rouge, heading to LSU there. So that that's all from some recruiting and transfer news. And we're gonna move on and we're gonna tie everything in together. It's probably gonna be a shorter episode than normal, but I mean, you know. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? We're going to all tie it in together with the Pac-12 anyway. So I just wanted to touch on some recruiting and some transfer news there. So let's move on to the Pac-12 standings and the conference projection standings. I started this kind of mini-series of, you know, doing projections. Y'all all told me, okay, projections don't matter. Not until, you know, not until August or, you know, not until the game's actually played. Yes, I understand that. You know, projections get busted. You know, Michigan and Wisconsin, I mentioned that how they were going to be in the Big Ten title game last season, or I mean, this coming up season, but you never know. You know, it could, for all I know, Rutgers may win. You know, wait, may win the East, and you know Northwestern may win the West. It may be a Rutgers and Northwestern Big Ten championship. Likely not going to happen, but you never know. You know, it's just college football. You never know what happens. Projections get busted all the time. So. I was saying that Michigan and Wisconsin are in my favorites, the odds-on favorite to win their divisions and to go to the Big Ten championship in Indianapolis first weekend in, weekend December. So, uh, I mean, continuing on with the trend, we're talking about the Pac-12 now, and I think it's fun to do these projections just to see, you know, the takes that you know the takes of every you know everybody and where you know where people you know are standing now heading into the fall. So these are solely Based on, you know, where things stand now. So just to make that clear, I'm not gonna sit there and say that it won't change because I think projections will change. I said that last week. I think projections are gonna change. Uh if Ohio State looks better than Michigan, I may pick Ohio State over Michigan. You know, but right now I'm currently picking Michigan over Ohio State because I like where Michigan's headed just a tiny bit better than Ohio State. I like Ohio State, and I think Ohio State is gonna make a New Year's six bowl. However, Right now, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. Now, who who knows? They may make the playoffs again as a one-loss team. They did last season against Georgia and played a heck of a game against Georgia in the Peach Bowl. But I'm just saying, you know, that's where things stand now in in my honest thoughts. So in the few months down the line when we're playing football – My projections may change. I may say, oh, I think, you know, Ohio State's going to beat Michigan. Or I think Colorado's going to win the Pac-12. Who knows? Who knows? We don't know until the game's actually play. But it's fun to make projections to see where things and see where everybody stands now. So, let's kick it off with the Pac-12. So, last week I did it in divisions. The Pac-12 has no divisions, okay? So, they don't have any divisions anymore. They don't have a north and south. Um, It's all 12 teams Just like the Big 12, whoever has the 1-2 and spot goes to to the Pac-12 championship game. Um, Last year, it was Utah and USC. USC was 1, Utah was 2, and Utah ended up beating USC in a rematch, and then they beat them again, and then they won the Pac-12 title to to advance to the Rose Bowl. Usually, if the Pac-12 champion does not go to the playoff, they win the the Pac-12 title game, and they go to the Rose Bowl. So we're seeing who's going to the Rose Bowl this year, and or could be... If the if the circumstances are right, who goes to the college football playoffs? So, here, here are my thoughts. Here are you know where everything stands in my you know my standings. So, US, uh, so, uh, so, so there's no divisions, no north, no south. I mean, it's USC down to Colorado, down to wherever right. So, there's no divisions. Um, it's no north and south. It's twelve teams. So how are we going to do this? You're thinking, Joel, you're not going to throw up 12 teams in one graphic. You're just going to cover yourself up in the picture. You're right. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go through two graphics like I did last time, 12 through seven and six through one. So we're going to kick it off and pop the graphic here now. So 12 through seven, and here's who I have in the Pac-12 standings, 12 through seven currently, California at twelve. Stanford at 11, Arizona at 10, Washington State at 9, Arizona State at 8, and UCLA at 7. I have Arizona State at 8. I think they're going to be much better, and I think they're going to be much improved this season. So, Arizona State at 8, uh, UCLA at 7. Just because Dorian Robinson-Thompson is not there, I think—hear me out—I think that Chip Kelly knows what he's doing— He's gonna get everybody, you know, band together just because they lost Zach Charbonnet. It doesn't matter, you know. They lost a good running back in Zach Charbonnet, but I think UCLA will be, you know, still improved. But I think the teams bo- uh, above them, the, the teams I just mentioned. Are gonna be much improved. So UCLA at seven. So you know that that just you know tears it for that one 12 through seven. I think those are the teams that are, you know, are that's the 12 through seven teams. I don't think they're gonna be necessarily in it come November, unfortunately. But I think some of those teams, like Arizona State and UCLA, will be much improved. So turning that graphic off, wipe that away. Let's go with six through one now. So you're wondering. Okay, six. You have Oregon State ahead of any of the teams you just mentioned. Well, if this was 2012, you'd be a fool to mention if Oregon State was ahead of any of those teams. But yeah, I do. I have Oregon State at six. I'm gonna tell you why. I think their schedule is slightly easier than, than advertised. I think the games that they have that are tough, and let me let you read them off here on my notes. You have Utah. At home, that's a tough game. Still, I mean, Utah. You know, Utah obviously gave them fits last season. Utah had a pretty solid defense. It was a good defensive stand by Utah. Ended up beating Oregon State at Salt Lake City. Now Oregon State's going to look for a measure of revenge at home. So they got Utah at home. They got Colorado on the road. So they got they got to go to Boulder to face Colorado. That's a tough game because Deion Sanders is bringing bringing his quote unquote. Louis in there, Louis Vuitton for, you know, designer and fashion people out there. But uh, Colorado is bringing, he's bringing his guys in there, and it's going to be a tough game. Even if it's its first season, doesn't matter. Colorado's going to be tough to play this year. You're going to have to come and play top Colorado, especially in Boulder. So, tough game for Oregon State there. They got Washington at home. Good. They got them at home. Still going to be a tough game against a highly prolific offense with Michael Penix Jr. and Guy who's calling the plays. Offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb. So Washington. They got Oregon at Oregon. So at Austin Stadium, uh Bo Nix, Dan Lanning. Uh, you got a, you know, you got a lot of good, you know, a lot of good offensive weapons for Oregon. You got a lot, uh, a lot of good players on defense. It's looking, I don't know. That's that's an if right there. That's gonna be a tough game. I know Oregon State's got the uh transfer quarterback from Clemson, DJ yugo Laley. Um, that may, can add some, some more, you know, more, you know, star power to their offense It may help them out offensively, but they got some tough games they got to get through. They played USC last season. They don't play them this season. That's a good key thing right there. Oregon state has four tough games and those are the four tough games. I think they have, in my honest opinion, I think the rest of their schedule is pretty winnable. So I could see them, losing either three or four of those games. Because those are some t- some tough games. Number five, on you see on the list, Colorado. Um, Colorado is going to be a up-and-coming team. Like I said, I don't expect them to win the Pac-12. I don't expect them to make any noise in the playoff yet. But I think in the future, they will. I think you just got to keep rebuilding and keep some guys in there. It's a rebuild process is slow. They're not meant to be quick. Again, I mean, I, I get it. You know, you at you're look, you're thinking, okay, USC, you know, was quick last season. LSU on the West in the SEC, that was quick. I mean, TCU, they have a new head coach. They rebuild quick. They went to the national championship. I get it. You know, but those that's not normal, you know. Those are those are those may be teams that are ready to take the next step now. Teams like Tennessee weren't ready to take the next step. They had Hendon Hooker and they made it to his first season and they made it to the you know, the Music City Bowl against Purdue. They lost the Music City Bowl against Purdue in overtime. Josh Heipel. Right? That was his first season. They come back and look what they do. They go to the Orange Bowl against Clemson and win. And win the Orange Bowl. They beat Florida, Clemson, Alabama, LSU, uh, you name it. They lost, they, they, they lost two games. They lost to South Carolina and Georgia. They, they Georgia was an expected loss. They were not expected to beat South Carolina. But they weren't expected to beat uh, Florida. They weren't expected to beat Alabama or LSU. They weren't expected to beat Clemson either. But they did. Um, They had the most highly prolific offense, and they were number one in offensive efficiency. That's my my thing about Tennessee. Sorry, we're talking about the Pac-12 here. But you get what I'm saying. Rebuilds are slow. Colorado's going to have a slow rebuild. So look at their schedule they got at TCU. They got to go to Dallas and play TCU. That's going to be... That's going to be a tough game right there. Just because they lost a little bit of, you know, a little bit of talent at TCU with Max Dugan going to the NFL and Quentin Johnson and Keandre Miller going to the NFL doesn't mean that Chandler Morris can't pick up the slack at quarterback for TCU. Let's move on. They got Nebraska. You look at Nebraska and you're thinking, okay, that's another up-and-coming team. Colorado could beat them. Nebraska's going to give everybody their best game, I think, this season. I think Matt Rule's going to have. Uh, Nebraska ready to play. I think Nebraska is going to shock a little bit of people. I think Jeff Sims is a is a phenomenal quarterback, and I think Jeff Sims could really do wonders up there. Transfer from Georgia Tech. So at Oregon, they got to go to Oregon. That's a that's another tough game. You got to go to Austin Stadium, face Dan Lanning, and face Bo Nix, a potential top ten team, and 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 those are some players and some weapons on offense that are ready to make an impact. Tough game there. After that, they play the defending Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, and arguably the best college football quarterback out there, and they play Lincoln Riley in USC. But they here's the here's the good thing. Home field advantage. They play him in boulder. So they gotta play USC in Boulder. Tough game, nonetheless. Then they have Oregon State, another tough game. Just mentioned it, they play him in boulder. So you think, okay, you know, it's not gonna be you know, a cakewalk for, for Colorado by no means, even if it's in Boulder, it's still a tough game. Oregon State's going to be a team to watch out for. So, I mean, we're going to see by the projections, of the standings, I say Colorado's five. I say they slip, you know, they get Oregon State and beat them in a close game. That's how I look at it right now. Um, but it could be a closer, it could be a, a totally different outcome. Who knows? Then last but not least, they play at Utah in Salt Lake City. Last season, it was a blowout. It was a very, very hard game to watch. Colorado scored seven points. Utah put up 50 or 60 points on them. Uh, in Salt Lake, uh, in Boulder, in Boulder, they did that at Boulder. That's the scary thing about going into Salt Lake City. Um, knowing what happened last season, but here's the deal. It's not last season. It's Coach Prime, guys. It is Coach Prime. So you got to think, if it's Coach Prime, and he's he's changing the whole dynamic in Boulder, how close will that game be? You know what I'm saying? How close is that game going to be? Who knows? Colorado at five. I'm moving on. Sorry. Oregon, four. I think Oregon, is that's a good spot for Oregon right now. Where things stand. I think Oregon's got some tough games. Not going to lie, they got some tough games. They got Colorado at Colorado. Colorado's going to give everybody's best. They got at Washington. That's a game where Michael Penix Jr. is coming back. You got Ryan Grubb calling the plays. Michael Penix Jr.'s got some weapons to throw around him. I think Washington's going to look solid and it's at Washington. That's going to be, you know, careful there for Dan Lanning. Uh, at Utah, again. Careful there for Dan Lanning. Utah has Oregon's number the past couple of years. Utah has beaten Oregon twice, you know, back-to-back years. They beat him, uh, they have a three-game winning streak over him, right? They they uh so far. I mean, they beat him uh, two years ago uh in a regular season game, and they beat him in the Pac-12 championship. They they played him last season, won again. Utah looks solid, right? Uh who that's so what we got at Utah versus USC. Sorry, I was catching up on my notes. Versus USC. Even though it's a home game, November 11th is a date that they're going to mark on their calendars because Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams, the defending Heisman Trophy winner, is going to come in and try to outsmart that defense. Right? He's going to try to. He's going to do his absolute best, you know, to try to get that defense, pick apart that defense. So you got a battle of quarterbacks here. You got the battle of which defense is going to hold up. So that's going to be a close game, and that could have some college football playoff implications. I mentioned that in an earlier episode of Pigskin Frenzy on matchups that could impact the college football playoff race. So you got that one, and then you got the Civil War with Oregon State. So that's going to be a good game there. Close game as always. It's a home game for Oregon. So a lot of these games are at home. Uh, The only two games that I noticed that aren't at home are Utah and Washington, in these key games. Number three, Utah. You're thinking, dude, why do you have Utah at three? I'll tell you why. They lost a good, they lost a little bit. And they, while they do have cam rising and they have some of their, and they have a a good bit of offensive line coming back, they lost a good bit on defense and uh, they lost a good, effective pass blocker and catcher, quite frankly, in Dalton Kincaid. So I think Dalton Kincaid is an, in my in my honest opinion is one of the best tight ends you know in the draft this season. He was one of the best tight ends there. He was one of the best tight ends in college football last season. Good and it's a huge it's a good pickup for any NFL team that gets him and I said that it was it was going to be, right? He got drafted in the draft, but it's a heartbreaker, right? It was a heartbreaker for, you know, Utah to lose him. But I think there's three. I think there's some winnable games on here. Florida versus Florida that could be a winnable game, depending on how you know if they who what Florida team shows up. They play them in Salt Lake. It's out of their comfort zone for Florida, and Florida didn't look all that good in the, in the spring game, so uh that's florida then you got at baylor you got to go to waco the next week to baylor that's a tough game dave aranda is going to give everybody their tough their you know their tough game their tough their, their toughest game so you got baylor at baylor you got at oregon state that's a tough game you got at oregon state you also have uh at usc versus oregon and at washington uh, you got a lot of good games there. Some tough games there. USC is a compelling one just because of the rematch, you know, from the from the last regular season game, and from the Pac-12 championship game. So you got that, and you got Washington at Washington. That's going to be a tough sledding for utah could be who knows but it may be cam rising rises from the ashes comes back from his injury and helps utah dethrone washington or usc again and they climb back into the ranks but they have been the dying they have been the powerhouse almost for the pac-12 these past few seasons so utah you know looking good there right so that's three number two washington You have Washington ahead of Utah, I do. I think Washington's offense and how they've looked late last season is going to roll into this season. I think what they did to Texas was good. I think it was a a good game from Washington overall. Their game plan was good. They moved the ball well on Texas, and Texas is usually known for some solid defense. They moved the ball quite well on them in the Alamo Bowl last season. So I think Washington – uh, you know, is going to be number two. I think they have a good game against Michigan State uh, starting start now at Michigan State. It's a very winnable game. Uh, I think Oregon is a good game. It's home game for them. That could be a winnable game for them. It's at USC. That looks like it could be a, a loss for them at USC versus Utah at home game against Utah and then at Oregon State. Oregon State is going to be a coin flip because Oregon State – looks looks solid last season and we got to see how they you know you know bring that momentum into this season so that's Washington and then number 1 USC right they have games at Oregon At Notre Dame versus Utah and versus Washington. Those are their tough games versus Utah versus Washington. Luckily, they're home games. They're still tough sleddings. Those are some games that USC, you know, needs to come to play for. At Oregon's a game they need to come to play for. That's a game, like I said, that could mark all, you know, could impact the college football playoff race. And then you got at Notre Dame. Notre Dame, they beat them by a couple touchdowns last season, but Notre Dame was... Rising from the ashes late. Marcus Freeman's doing a heck of a job there. Good turnaround there. We got to see what Marcus Freeman does, right? Marcus Freeman, good coach. We got to see what they do there. So, number one, USC. Number two, Washington. Okay. Now you think, what does that mean? It it means they're in the Pac-12 championship game. So, Pac-12 championship game, USC versus Washington, Washington. A rematch. So it's a rematch between both teams. Um, and who do I think wins that? USC. I think USC defeats Washington in a rematch for the Pac-Twelve championship game. I think USC is gonna be proved to be too much, and Lincoln Riley's offense is gonna outscore Washington's offense, and it's gonna be a, a good battle between Probably two Heisman candidates in and could be a back-to-back winner in Caleb Williams and a potential Heisman candidate in Michael Penix Jr. from Washington. So USC defeats Washington. Again, I'm not gonna give out any scores, but I think USC finally wins and you know wins the Pac-Twelve championship after all these years. Lincoln Riley gets his first Pac-Twelve title game in his second appearance, and Caleb Williams finally hoist the Pac-Twelve trophy as well. So That just about does it. That wraps up everything for Pigskin Frenzy today. That was the Pac-12 standings. And next time, we're going to look into more uh, more conference standings and talk about conference championships and what have you. So we covered two. Of the Power Five, we got three more to cover. So that just about does it for Pigskin Frenzy. A big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just listen and watch and you know, did some college ball coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Leave a like on the episode and leave a comment down below. Spotify, if you're listening on there, share around with others and follow on there as well. Podbean, if you're listening on there, share around with others and follow on there as well. We have Twitter and we have Facebook. Twitter, it's at pigskin underscore frenzy, all lowercase. All you got to do is type that bad boy in on the search engine. You'll find it. Follow and like the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as news, highlights, and notifications from across college and NFL football. Facebook, same thing. All you got to do is type in Pigskin Frenzy. Follow and like the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as news, highlights, notifications from across college and NFL football. Big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday once again. Thursday, NFL edition of Pigskin Frenzy. We'll go over more, you know, games from last week's schedule release. We're going to talk about some news around, you know, the National Football League in general. So until Thursday, I'm Joel Norris signing off. We will see you for another edition of Pigskin Pigskin Frenzy Thursday. Good night, everybody, and have a good evening. And to to everybody out there, Stay the course.